Sunday morning in Las Vegas of 2022. It's just after 8 o'clock. I'm Brian Feldman, and this is Out of Line. We are here live, same time every Sunday at Fox Sports Radio 98.9 FM, 1340 AM, flagship of the Vegas Golden Knights. Joining me on the show is social media director Spencer the Wiz Ostrowski. Nobody beats the Wiz. Nobody beats the Wiz. Uh, yes, that's right. The Wiz has his own theme music. Also shows uh, social distancing back in the Fox Sports Residential Bank Coach Studio. His producer, Chris Chapman, a.k.a. Magnum, who aside from producing a number of shows here at Lotus Broadcasting, is the locker room recorder for the Vegas Golden Knights Radio Network. This show is also streaming live, um, and so that does mean on the LV Sports Network, you can watch the show on Facebook Live and YouTube as well, although none of us are really doing video today. For that we'll get into them, but the page is called Out of Line, and that's O U T T A L I N E. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Out of Line Fox LV. And since we are live, your calls and questions are welcome. The Fox Sports Residential Bank Club Studio Line is 876-702-876-1340. Hi, this is Bubby, and it's time for What's on Tap. What's on Tap brought to you by title sponsor Residential Bank Club, whether purchasing a new home or refinancing the home you currently own. Residential Bank Corp is the company to turn to for all your home financing needs. Residential Bank Corp, funding America one neighborhood at a time, now offering $2,500 free to everyone and anyone who qualifies for a home purchase loan in the state of Nevada. Call 702-964-5720 for more information. On tap, Mark andre Fleury returned to T-Mobile Arena last night. The UNLV running Rebels get back on the court this week. The college national championship game as we all know, is tomorrow night. And today is the final day in the NFL's extended regular season. The Raiders in control of their playoff destiny. One coach already fired. That's what's on tap. If you are looking to buy a home or refinancing the home you currently own, choose a company you can trust, Residential Bank Corp, funding America one neighbor at a time. Right now, Residential Bank Corp is offering Nevada home buyers $2,500 forward closing costs for anyone and everyone who qualifies for a home purchase loan. In the state of Nevada, call 702-964-5720 for more details. Hey, guys, before we jump into Nightcap, want to see how everyone's doing. We are spread out all over the place today. Um, we know the reason COVID protocol hits everywhere, and um, I'm in the midst of mine right now. Spencer, a little under the weather. Chris, I won't say had a scare, only because he was near some people. But, Chris, he ended up testing negative. Yeah, I... Uh... I, I missed a few days of work during the week uh, because I was in close proximity to um, a couple people who uh, who tested positive. But uh, fortunately, um, you know, I don't I don't know if it was the fact that I'm I'm vaccinated and boosted that that protected me or or if I was just lucky. But uh, nonetheless, um, obviously did did have the close contact, but results negative on my test. Um, you know, it, it, it's a crazy time and still a crazy time. And I think we're all just asking ourselves, when the hell is all of this going to be over? Because I think I, I can't speak for you guys, but I know 
despite the fact that I've done pretty much everything I need to do to stay safe and, and protected, I'm beaten up and I'm fatigued. And I can only imagine the people who've had to deal with this not only once, but maybe twice. I mean, I, I, I think we're all just tired and beaten down and we're weary. And, and it's like, we're just looking for the end of the road. I feel like, I feel like we're that, that, that person walking through the desert with no water, looking to find the oasis. And I have no idea when the hell we're going to get there. No, we better get there before we dehydrate. But you're right, a lot of people dealing with this uh, second time around. Now I'm one of them. I'm wrapping up my COVID protocol, finally feeling a little bit better. But uh, this is no joke. And uh, it is to the point where, Chris, you're 100% right. It's been so disruptive. I don't know that we'll ever get back to what we once called normal, but I'm sure excited about whatever is going to be the new normal finally getting here. Spence, I know you were a little under the weather. How are you feeling? Yeah, I'm feeling better. I uh, just had a, a sore throat for a couple of days, just a common cold. Uh, I guess that's still around. Uh, I did have COVID before, but I could definitely tell the difference. And uh, I, I'm starting to feel better, though. I, I kind of like over being sick, so I'm just fighting through it. And I'm, I'm on the other side now, so I'm happy about that. Well, I'm glad to hear it. And the good news is, is the, over the radio, you can't catch anything, at least not to this point. The world we live in, don't expect that in the future you might have to wear a mask when listening to the shows. As of right now, you don't. But, I mean, you know, not making a joke of it or making it light. It's just, it is getting to the point where, as Chris is pointing out, we're so beaten down by this thing, you almost have to find a way to pump some humor into it just to keep living and smiling. Because, I mean, sometimes it gets that debilitating. Guys, before we get into the show, one thing I did want to say, it's been kind of an iconic week in in more or less a negative way. Uh, Some very important people passed away over this past week. Uh, you know, obviously the one that comes to mind first when you say that is the late, great John Madden. Um, I don't know that there has ever been a more influential person in the National Football League's history than John Madden, because obviously once television became a part of football, pretty much in the 60s, um, John Madden you know, became a coach, uh, coached through the 70s, and then became one of the most iconic color commentators in the history of the game. You know, the John Madden, uh, you know, EA Sports John Madden, and what he has meant to the video gaming industry itself, aside from everything else in football, has been nothing short of, of, of spectacular. Um, I grew up, guys, and part of the reason I do what I do, and, I, you know, calling this my hobby, whatever you want to call it, is because of a guy named Howard Cosell when I was younger. Everyone loved to hate Howard, but as a little boy, I would sneak behind my dad, like crawl downstairs, so I could sit behind the couch and watch Howard Cosell do halftime highlights. As a young sports fan, there was nothing I enjoyed more than that. I would say that in my lifetime now, John Madden has surpassed that. John Madden was not hated by half and loved by half like Howard Cosell was. John Madden was pretty much loved by everyone that had anything to do with the game. Um, he, he humanized the game of football to the point where you could relate whether you were a white-collar worker running a gigantic company or whether you were a blue-collar worker on the assembly line at General Motors in Detroit, you could relate to John Madden. He had that kind of uh, magnetism. He is going to be sorely missed, um, but his contributions to the National Football League, guys, a- a- as big as it being. Chris, a huge sports fan like me, as is Spencer. Spencer, a lot younger. We're closer to the same age. What did John Madden mean to you? Well, I mean, for, for starters, the one thing that I always will, will, will think about is those Thanksgiving Day games, and it, it always seemed to be that he was on the Cowboy games, and at the end of the game, they would they would give out turkey legs to, to the, the, the best players of the day, and the leg, the turkey always had six legs, and he would be on the telestrator circling the turkey, 
telling you where you have to cut it, how to get the perfect uh, piece of turkey. You know, he he was one of those guys. And, and for me, I, I, I don't remember him coaching because I was born just a little too late. But obviously, you look at his coaching record of all the guys who've coached 10 seasons or more in the NFL. He's got the highest winning percentage. For me, it, w- it was more as a broadcaster and then from the video game world because I, I'm old enough to have had the very first John Madden football, and I can remember there was a uh, there was a, a season, and I think it was only one game, where if you injured a player, the ambulance would come out onto the field, and Madden would talk about the ambulance coming down on the field, and, and it, was, it, it was pretty iconic, obviously the video game franchise, but for me, as a guy who, who's a broadcaster himself, I think we all want to be John Madden because he was just so good. And I feel like he could break down any anything. You could throw, you know, whether whether it's the Constitution of the United States or it's it's, you know, the cover two or how to cook spaghetti. John Madden could probably dumb it down for you enough to where even though his intellect is so much higher than yours, because the guy was was brilliant, but the fact that he was so smart and understood so many different aspects, not just of football, but of life, and he could simplify it to where a moron like me could understand the cover two or a moron like me could understand, you know, why this gap is so big and what what allowed this running back to get through that gap and and go 60 yards for a touchdown – to me, that's that's what really separated John Madden from from all the other analysts out there. The fact that he could simplify it, despite being, you know, he never came across as, yeah, I'm a lot smarter than you. Despite the fact that I think we all know that John Madden's probably one of the smartest human beings to ever be in, involved in the NFL and football, but he never made you feel stupid when you were listening to him. Like sometimes there's broadcasters and you listen to them and they kind of. They they kind of make you feel like you're you're not smart enough to understand them, and it's not just in sports; it's it's in in all in all walks of life that there's there's people who you come across who you know are a lot smarter than you, and they make you feel stupid. John Madden wasn't that guy. John Madden was brilliant, but he always simplified things for you to make the layman understand it. And I think that's really what separated him from being the best. And and I know as a kid growing up, it it was Sunday afternoon. It was Pat Summerall. And John Madden, and I, I think it was Herm Edwards who, who made the comment where, where if you if he was on your game, you knew it was a big game. You know, when you'd see that list of broadcasters in the week leading up to your game, if you saw John Madden and Pat Summerall, you knew you were playing in the biggest game of the week in the NFL. And I think that's really cool because the players also understood what John Madden meant to the to the game. You know, Chris, no no question about it. And I will say that if you talk to players. In general, they will tell you it was more of a kudo or a pat on the back to be on the all-John Madden team than it would have been to make the Pro Bowl. That is how significant that was, and yet that was just one person talking about players that he thought exemplified toughness and what it meant to be a National Football League player. And you wanted to be on that John Madden team because you knew if you were, it got your recognition. And I would go as far, guys, to say that he helped people's contracts with a John Madden team that was really meaningless, but yet so meaningful. And Chris, he couldn't have said it any better. As smart as John Madden was, anybody and everybody that understood and enjoyed the game of football in any way, shape, or form believed they could sit and have a conversation with John Madden. That is how comfortable he made you when he came into your living room on Sundays 
Uh, there was just nobody like him. And, and Spencer, being a younger guy, and somebody like John Madden, other than the video game, because most young guys I talk to, it's the video game, how they know John Madden. But you being a Raiders fan, even though John Madden coached well before you were born, what did John Madden mean to you? Well, he, he meant a lot to my dad. So that, that obviously means a lot to me, like just in conjunction. But, you know, uh, it's the only thing I have to look back on really as a Raiders fan because, you know, they went to the Super Bowl in 2003. But ever since then, they've been one of the worst teams, one of the worst franchises in football, you know, since I've been alive. So I like to go back and look at the documentaries and talk about what the team used to be. And I, I can look back and, you know, be happy about that. And, you know, just John Madden was foot, you know, he was Raiders football. I think it gets lost in history a little bit because he was just such a legendary broadcast guy. He had such a, you know, way about what the way he said things and the, the entertainment factor that really is kind of lost, I feel like. Um, so, yeah, he, he means a lot to me and my family, just as a Raiders guy, more than even as a broadcaster, and even more as a, a, a video game guy. But, of course, I grew up playing Madden as well. To me, being the elder statement, statement, statesman of the bunch of us, um, John Madden meant everything to me because I say it often that uh, – you know, at the NFL, I, I am a sports junkie. Anyone that knows me will know that. It's part of the reason I'm sitting here doing what I'm doing. But the same reason Chris is sitting in the five, Fox Sports Residential Bank Home Studio now and Spencer sitting in his house in Trump making, bringing this to you is our insatiable love of sports. And, and that's what it is. That's what it boils down to. And John Madden um, warmed that up inside of me as much as anybody. I mean, one of my favorite memories was I went and saw Jerry Cooney fight Larry Holmes in the Caesars Palace parking lot in 1981, dating myself. And um, one of the people that walked past me was John Madden. And I got to tell you, I might have been more excited about that than this fight itself. And that was in 1981, well before John Madden had reached the iconic state that he has reached now. But even then, he just had this presence, this warm, fuzzy bear presence that you loved him. And he exemplified the Raiders. And, uh, you know, we'll get into that a little bit more as we go on. But, uh, truly, in my opinion, as iconic as anyone that has ever been involved in the National Football League, John Madden leaving us. Another guy that left us this week, Dan Reeves, longtime coach, longtime successful guy in the National Football League, 77 years old, a little bit younger than you would like to see somebody go. But, you know, the bottom line is Dan Reeves gone as well, of course, in Las Vegas. Uh, longtime Senator Harry Reid, and, and if you saw what, they, what Las Vegas has been doing for uh, since Harry Reid's passing, you realize how important that guy was to the state of Nevada as well as to our government. And one more person, Chris, I don't know if you know this, I know Spencer does, but uh, a couple of weeks ago we had somebody on the show that meant a great deal to me along with his best friend, John Oferdahl, and that was my cousin Mike Shear, ALS, a wicked disease that our society kind of became familiar with back in the 1930s when Lou Gehrig, uh, when Lou Gehrig was the first real prominent person to be diagnosed with this disease, and it's been Eric's disease because of it, and we all got a chance to meet my cousin um, on the show right around Thanksgiving, and, and Mike passed two days ago, and I, I want to send out condolences to his family, to all of his friends, and this world will be a, a not so good of a place without his soul, but it's a better place for having it, and I'm a better man for having Mike in my life, and Mike, I love you, I miss you, and uh, I, I wish I could dedicate an entire show of just an hour of silence to you. Uh, thank you for everything you've done to my life. Moving on, um, something that is somebody who's done something for the lives of a lot of people in Vegas. As a matter of fact, part of the hockey knowledge that we have all gained in the past four or five years um, is because of the Vegas Golden Knights coming to Las Vegas. And really, the face of this franchise, the first four seasons, 
really the guy that put Vegas hockey on the map, Mark Andre Fleury. Um, a guy that when Mark Andre Fleury, I first heard he was the very first basically Vegas Golden Knight uh, to be to come over in an expansion draft. Um, I was upset because I'm a Detroit Red Wings fan. And years ago, when Sidney Crosby was a rookie and Mark Henry Fleury was one of the best goaltenders in the NHL at that time, playing for the Pittsburgh Penguins, they came back from a three to one deficit and took, took out the Detroit Red Wings, mostly because of the play of Sidney Crosby, but in no shortness to the play between the pipes of Mark Henry Fleury. And that's kind of when I first discovered him. And so, you know, being the guy that, that took down your team, you, you never really liked him. And I, and I say this all the time of all the people I've had the good fortune to meet in this, in this great, incredible profession that we're in. Marc-Andre Fleury very well may be my favorite of all of them. The most humble superstar I've ever met in my life. The guy looks like, when you look at him in the locker room, he looks like the guy that should throw on a UPS shirt and go to work, and yet he's one of the best goaltenders in the history of the National Hockey League. He got another win over a team that he hadn't had a win over ever because he played for the Vegas Golden Knights since the inception. And I think maybe, Chris, the most bittersweet of all the losses the, the Vegas Golden Knights have had since we've been here might have been this one. And so go ahead. Before we jump into this special, you might as well hit, uh, hit our intro. Hockey players, as you know, are warriors. They don't give up. They come to play every game. It's time for Nightcap, a cup full of the Vegas Golden Knights. From highlights to interviews to special events, the puck starts here. Hey, Spencer, before we jump into this segment, and I really want to hear what Chris has to say. Chris has probably interviewed Mark Andre Fleury locally as much as anybody. I've had some great opportunities. I'll share one more time in a minute my one of my favorite sports stories of all time, which is really cool and involves Mark Andre Fleury, but... Last night at T-Mobile Arena, they gave the guy his just dessert. They had a tribute before the game. Um, you saw Mark looking up the big screen. Uh, Mark holds his emotions pretty well, but um, you could see that it was beyond touching to him last night, and it was a really cool night. You can't really um, – Spencer will have it on, uh, on our Facebook page so you can see it, but um, you know, for the most part, you're just going to get to listen. But this is what it sounded like if you were one of the people in the packed house at T-Mobile Arena last night when they introduced Mark andre Fleury. Golden Knights take that and run with it. 
to a Stanley Cup Finals berth, which was still to this day one of the most incredible things I have ever seen in my life. I will always say that I look at it as a complete blessing that I was given the opportunity in my life to be a hockey fanatic from Detroit and get to see an expansion team come from not another city, not a displaced team, but a team that started brand new and literally has been on a run for into their fifth season now that is nothing short of miraculous. And what that team did in the first season was the coolest thing I think we've ever seen. I know Chris and I got to be a big part of that. It was so incredibly cool, Chris. And what were the feelings inside of you when you were at T-Mobile Arena and you got a chance to see Mark Andres Murray come home? Well, I, I mean, for me, it's 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 bittersweet. I think that's the word you used to, to start the, the segment. But, uh, you know, I think outside of William Carlson, Marc-Andre Fleury is probably my favorite player that, that, that I've had the fortune of being around on a, on a consistent basis. Um, Tomas Tatar is another guy who, who was up there, but his stay here was very, very short. But another guy who I, I just really enjoyed being around. But Marc-Andre Fleury, he was electric, as as a personality in that locker room when you'd walk when when because a lot of times after practice the goalie would come in the locker room after you know the media was already in there and of course he always had a lot of gear to take off and he always had a big smile on his face and it didn't matter if it was practice or if they had just played a great game mark andre flurry was and, and even after the bad games he was always cordial he was always uh, willing to talk to the media. He was always willing to, to, hey, look, if he played a bad game, he was always willing to be the first guy to say, you know what, maybe I needed to be better. Um, I think for the fans, they 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 got to see the side of Marc-Andre Fleury on the ice where he's obviously one of the greatest goalies of all time. And I heard someone say one time that while Marc-Andre Fleury was never, and he's still playing, obviously, but but he he's... Outside of last season, he was never one of the top two or three goalies in the league statistic-wise. But he was he was above average for a very, very long time, which is probably harder than being good for three or four seasons because the reality is the guy played his first game in 2003-2004 with the Pittsburgh Penguins. That's almost 20 years ago. I mean, we're looking at 18 seasons. This guy's been a stalwart in the net in the NHL, and that's not an easy task. But I want to talk about just what what a guy he is. And I know we we mentioned people who who, who recently passed away, and I could tell you one of the one of the greatest Mark Andre Fleury stories. So Ballpark Frank Frank Harnish, a guy who obviously meant a lot to me as a human being, uh, a, a great friend of mine. Um, as, as the listeners all know, he he passed away in, right around Thanksgiving. And one one in in year one, Frank was hosting the VGK Insider Show. And right around Halloween, Frank was in a in a really bad car accident and broke his neck. He probably should have passed away based on everything the doctors told him. And and the way Frank told the story is he still doesn't know how it didn't happen. But um, he he was back to work very quickly. Around the same time, Marc-Andre Fleury had gone, he was going through concussion issues. He had missed 25 games in that inaugural season after he had a concussion with, uh, I believe it was Anthony Mantha of, of the Detroit Red Wings, who's now, I believe, with the Capitals. But they're both back in the locker room around the same time. And Frank has a neck brace on, 
and we're standing in the middle of the locker room, and Marc-Andre Fleury's locker was in the corner. So it was very easy for Fleury to get in and out without people coming over and talking to him. Marc-Andre Fleury walks into the locker room, and he has most of his gear off, but he still has his pads on his legs. And he gets up from his chair, and he walks over to the middle of the locker room to find Frank. And he starts talking to Frank and asks Frank how he feels, how his neck is doing, you know, what the rehab is like. Like, Marc-Andre Fleury didn't have to do that. But he genuinely cared about how Frank was. And he didn't really know Frank all that well because it was the first season. We really, you know, Fleury was here for a few games, and then he got hurt. But it showed me, and I'm standing next to Frank, and it showed me just what a great human being and what a great person and how there's more to Marc-Andre Fleury than just being a Hall of Fame goaltender. The guy is a Hall of Fame human being, and anyone who's been around him for any period of time, I mean, I remember the first season, really early, the Penguins media, the the Pittsburgh media came to, to Vegas, I think it was during a preseason game or maybe it was in that first training camp and everybody told us just be around this guy he will become one of your favorite people in the world immediately and I told some people from Chicago when when he was traded you will absolutely walk away from this guy being blown away because he's so deep and he's funny and he's just a he's just a guy and he's he's the guy you would you would have a beer with. Like some some players, look, you know what? You you get that they're on they're elite athletes, and they you know some of them don't really have the time to talk to you. Mark Andre Fleury always had the time to talk to you. And I can remember one of the one of the best conversations I ever had with him was in L.A. in year one. Actually, it was right after the L.A. series in year one. So between the the Kings and the San Jose Sharks. And we were talking about ice cream and frozen yogurt and how they had frozen yogurt in the media room in um, the Staples Center. What is it? Crypto.com Arena now. And he, he, he asked me about the toppings. He goes, oh, well, what kind of toppings do they have? And I said, oh, they got the usual sprinkles and, and, and hot fudge and, you know, gummy bears. And he, he stopped. He goes, he goes, oh, I can't put gummy bears in, in my frozen yogurt. And I looked at him, and we both at the same time said, because they freeze and they get so hard when they're in the ice cream yeah. that they're just not enjoyable. It was it was so cool just to see, like, this is a guy who, who when you see him with his shirt off, is an, he's just a chiseled, just great athlete. Like, he, he, he's, he's so... Flexible, like like flexible, but like he he's really built. Like he looks like a like a lightweight boxer because that's how cut he is. But for him to have that little joke about yeah, you can't eat gummy bears in, in frozen yogurt because it freezes and they get hard. It was just a really cool moment. But you know, we we talked about so much when 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 he was here, and you know, it wasn't always about hockey. Like he taught me a little bit about Canada, things that I didn't know, and it was really cool. And and. Like, just having the conversations with him, it's one of those things where I feel blessed as a reporter to have gotten to know him and to to have a conversation with him a, a, a couple times a season just about life and, and, and goofy things that are unrelated to hockey. Yeah, there were the post-game interviews where sometimes they were great, sometimes they weren't, and sometimes you felt bad because the team left him out to dry and he did everything he could. And then there were nights where he let the team down, and, and he would be the first guy to tell you that, but... 
Brian Spencer, I could tell you, I don't care what he does on the ice the remainder of his career. I will take away from the fact that Marc-Andre Fleury is, without a doubt, one of the greatest human beings of a professional athlete I've ever met in my life. Just absolutely a class A person. Just a guy you, you, you feel lucky to have known and a guy that you're lucky to cover because you're not always going to get that guy. And for him to be the face of the franchise, but to also just be humble and and just down to earth is something, even when I walk away from this business, I will always take away from me and say I was very lucky to have covered that guy for four years, not because of what I saw on the ice, but because of what I got to see of him off the ice. Our producer, Chris Magnum Chapman, who also serves as the locker room reporter for the Vegas Gold Knights Radio Network. And Chris, very well said. And, you know, um, I've been on several shows, as you have, uh, did not nearly get to have the opportunity to have the relationship with Mark Andre you had. But I did get to know him a little bit. I probably interviewed Mark Andre 30, 20 times in the four years of this year and never walked away feeling slighted, never walked away feeling poo-pooed. I almost walked away from him like, God, is this guy really one of the best goalies in the league? Because how do you be so nice? And whenever I'm asked about Mark Andre Fleury to this day, Chris, I've got one word. And people might take this word and think, you know what, it's not enough. No, it is enough. Really delve in and peel back the layers of the onion on this world. It is called genuine. Mark Andre Fleury is genuine. As genuine as a professional athlete as I have ever met in my life, as Chris stated, I will go away with him being one of the, my favorite athletes to ever cover me. And my real quick story, you've heard it a couple times, so I'll beat this horse into the glue factory one more time because I enjoy telling it. It warms my heart every time I even think back and remember. It was the practice before game one of the Stanley Cup finals against the Washington Capitals in, um, in, 2000 and, uh, in 2018 and after their further season and they're getting ready to play. And I, and I wonder, I go in the locker room, Chris is there every day. Most people are familiar with the team. I maybe went once every other week. I didn't have to. I have a one-hour, one-day-a-week talk show, so I didn't need to be there all the time. And I'm not going to go there. Chris knows me very well. I don't, I'm not a guy that goes and asks questions and goes there to hear myself talk. When I'm there, it's because we've got the show coming up. Usually, if I'm in the locker room asking questions, it's a day or two days before the show, so it's relevant and it's pertinent, and it's for for everyone out there that, that, that we, we, we have the pleasure of talking to every Sunday morning. But So I'm wondering why Marc-Andre Fleury is left alone in the locker room. We're at City National Arena, and I'm thinking, that's really weird. How cool. What a great opportunity. Man, day one. And I go over, and Mark looks at me, and he goes, and he goes I can't talk to you right now. I'm not supposed to talk to the media, which now made sense why there's nobody near him. And he goes, but hey, he goes, I'll get you tonight. Um, he goes, I'll get you tonight after the, after the game. I go, after you guys win? And he goes, yeah, after we win. And he put a smile on his face, and that was it. So fast forward, the game goes on. Of course, that was the only game in the Stanley Cup Finals that the Vegas Golden Knights came away with the win. They started the Finals up one nothing and then lost four straight to the Capitals, as we all know. But after that game, they did win. And I went in the locker room, and of course, there is a media mosh pit around Marc-Andre Fleury, as there always was, as there always was, every game. You were going to either be one of the first people, or you were going to wait your turn and pray that Sage or Eric or somebody doesn't boot you before, because just people aren't going to leave Marc-Andre Fleury till literally till they make you get away from him. Everyone will ask questions. So I'm standing there, kind of in the middle of the room, like you said, where Frank was during his thing, and I'm looking over, and I see Marc-Andre Fleury, and maybe for... I, 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 a millisecond, we made eye contact. Marc-Andre Fleury literally used his left arm to move somebody aside. 
He puts a big smile on his face and beckons me with a finger to come over. He goes, hey, I owe you an interview, and you said we'd win. Chris, you know what that meant to me. Yeah, and and yeah. anyone that knows me knows what that meant to me. I was, I'm nobody. I am a, a guy that, like I said, I'm a sports fan that, that's blessed with an opportunity to do what I do on Sunday mornings and the opportunity to talk on other shows occasionally. I just get to talk sports, and I've always considered it a blessing. Yeah, he, for Mark Andre Fleury to acknowledge me in the biggest night of his life, probably to that point, because it's an expansion team, the world is focused on him. And he's got a million media members around him, obviously a gross exaggeration, but... And for him to recognize me, now granted, I'm going to tell you, I was wearing the same thing at that night that I was at practice, maybe made it a little easier on him. But either way, that was to me one of the greatest things in this business, maybe the greatest single thing that has ever happened to me in this career, that a guy like him would take the time to honor a commitment that was not required to be honored in any way, shape, or form. And yet he did it. And that, in my opinion, if, if he did it, that exemplifies who Mark Andre Fleury was as a human being. And like Chris said, he's not a Hall of Fame hockey goaltender. He is a Hall of Fame human being. And when he gets inducted to the Hall of Fame, in my book, in Chris's book, and anyone that has had this opportunity, he's already there. He's been there. He will be there. And the rest is history. We will all be better at our craft for having the opportunity to talk to Mark Andre Fleury because when we get poo-pooed by a middle-of-the-road player now, I look at him and think, who the hell do you think you are? Mark andre Fleury took the time to talk to me. You know what? Who are you? <laughs> and, and, you know, not quite to that degree, but that's kind of the way, Chris, I feel about it. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. He, if he told you he was going to talk to you, he, he would talk to you. And, and I remember being in that locker room during the Stanley Cup final, and you're right. They, it was... I mean, the, the room itself is, is, is pretty big, especially in T-Mobile. But I don't think people could really grasp, like, how many people were in that locker room. Because every media member in the hockey world was summoned in Las Vegas for that first game. And I think there were probably a lot of people who weren't hockey people. You know, national media from ESPN. I know there were a bunch of people in there from there. But... Maybe even people who didn't cover sports, who just covered the, the story, you know. And, and yeah, you're right. There were tons of people in there. I've, you know, I'll never see it more full. Maybe at the All-Star game I will. But, Brian, I mean, I, I remember when that happened. And I remember how excited you were. And, you know, it, it was just like, like we said. I mean, I don't think people can really – maybe they got to see a little bit of it. Maybe they got to see him around town or, or would, you know, maybe maybe they got to know him away from, from hockey. But – I mean, we were very lucky in, in that we got to cover him and we got to talk to him almost on a daily basis during the season. And, you know, it, it, he he's definitely missed. I mean, that being said, I, I think the fans showed a great appreciation of Robin Leonard last night as he deserved the great appreciation as well because he is your goalie now. And, you know, it, it's, it's obviously as a media member, we don't cheer. Like, I think that's a misconception that we root for teams. But I will say this, that, I was very happy to see Marc-Andre Fleury walk away with a win, and I don't know how he was the second star. He should have been the first star, but that's not my decision to make. Um, but I, I, I will say this. It was a very dull, uninspired effort by the Golden Knights. They did not deserve to win that game. And, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury, he didn't need to play at an elite level, but he played good enough in the save he made on Evgeny Dodonov late in the third period, the out of the fish-out-of-water save. As as some like to call it, it was probably the biggest save of the game, and 
I mean, I don't know if it won them the game because, I, I mean, there were obviously 31 shots the Golden Knights took in that game and only one of them got past them. So you could say all 30 saves won them the game. But it was it was very nice to see him. And the acknowledgement that he gave the fans after the game, you know, he he skated out. You know, he was one of the last players in and he skated out to, to along the blue line and he just kind of saluted the fans and thanked them for, for showing up and cheering for him and for the four seasons of, of being behind him and and I think again that just shows to a lot of guys might skate off the ice with celebrate the win but Mark Andre Fleury was not caught up in the moment and he he saluted the fans at T-Mobile and you know I, I I think it's a place that will always mean a great deal to him and I I will say this I wish there would have been a way to keep him here obviously knowing what I know it, it's impossible but it would have been great if he would have been able to finish his career here and and close the, the, the book on his career in Las Vegas, and it would have been great to see him go out with another Stanley Cup because I do think this team is a cup contender. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens the, the rest of the season, but maybe Marc-Andre Fleury ends his season with another team. Yeah, you never know. I think you know, with Marc-Andre Fleury's book, a lot of guys that played the majority of their career with one team like he did with the Pittsburgh Penguins, they would retire and consider themselves a Pittsburgh Penguin. I am not sure, and it'll be interesting at his retirement or at his Hall of Fame speech, what will he consider his team? But I will tell you this much. I can't imagine the Pittsburgh Penguins, other than drafting him and getting his NHL starter, mean any more to him than the Vegas Golden Knights, even though he did not accomplish a Stanley Cup here. What he's meant to this community. Like I said, hockey is what it is in Las Vegas uh, because of Marc-Andre Fleury, and I, I mean that wholeheartedly. Real quickly, I, I want to jump off the Vegas Golden Knights and get to the rest of the show, but Vegas Golden Knights, guys, uh, Chris, three of their last four, they've lost four out of their last seven, 23-14-1, um, and one, 47 points, the best record in the Pacific Division in the West, one point behind Nashville for the best record in the Pacific Division. I know there's been COVID protocol, but every team has dealt with injuries and protocol and everything else. Any reason at all to be concerned right now? No, no, there, there, there's not. Um, you know, I, I, I think it's just a, a, you know, and I asked Pete DeBoer last night, it, look, you guys have played four games on this homestand and, and there have been some ups and downs. And he said, look, I was disappointed in the Nashville game and I was disappointed tonight. Uh, but they've got a couple more games on this homestand. It's an extended homestand now because they're two games up in Alberta. Uh, next week on the 13th and 14th have been postponed. But look, when when you look at what this team's been through and you look at the fact that they lose Max Pacioretty again, they had Mark Stone, he was he was on the sidelines again, but he comes back uh, last week against the Rangers. Uh, he scores the game-winning goal in that game. I just think that you, you, you're playing 82 games. You're going to hit stretches over the course of 82 games where maybe you don't play at your best. And I think this team is fine. Pete, Pete basically said, look, I'm not, there, there's no reason to panic. And there's not. I think, you know, the question I asked him was finding more consistency to close out the homestand on, on, on a high note. And, you know, you've got Toronto coming in on Tuesday. Uh, that's a team that, that the Golden Knights have traditionally struggled with, although, um, the last time they were here, it was the the night that Mark Andre Fleury made the Superman save. So, yep. um, you know that that's one of the teams that 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 has traditionally given the Golden Knights a hard time, and they smoked them up in Toronto earlier this season. Uh, I I think Montreal is who you close with. So obviously that's a that's a game that that 
you, you would imagine the Golden Knights will go out and play a very good game against just based on recent history, i.e. last season's conference final. So, um, you know, it, the, the thing is, I, I do think that there there's not a lot of cause for concern. Um, look, you, you've been without Alec Martinez for, for almost the entire season now. Max Pacioretty, he, he's been out. Nick Haig has been banged up. Nick Waugh was a game-time decision. But you've got the X factor. And he, we know he's getting closer. As long as there's no setbacks in his rehab, he should be back sometime in February. And that's Jack Eichel. That changes everything. And it makes the Golden Knights more than a contender. I think it makes them the favorites. Now, it'll be interesting to see how they play with the target on their back as the favorite. But outside of Colorado, I really don't think there's any team in the Western Conference that will give this team trouble in the playoffs. Colorado, a different beast. The Golden Knights and the Avalanche are ahead. And I understand Nashville's playing really well. And Nashville came in here and beat them. I don't care. Nashville's not good enough. They don't have the horses. Um, you know, UC Saros is a good goalie, but he's never he's never been in that situation where he's been the number one guy on, on a contender. I just think when Jack Eichel gets here, it, it's going to completely change everything in terms of where this team stands. And like I said, they go from a contender to, I think, the favorite. And I, I, I'm really looking forward to, to the stretch run here because we're getting to that point in the season where the All-Star break is only a couple weeks away. Um, obviously, there was supposed to be an Olympic break. That's not going to happen. But March, April, I cannot wait because that's when you're really going to get to see this team round into form. You're going to have, hopefully, everybody back. And it's almost scary to think about how good this team could be. When when you don't know, when you've got a guy who's on pace for 80 points, as Chandler Stevenson is, and you're saying he could be your third-line center, that's unbelievable. That's really unbelievable because when, when Eichel comes back, you, you're obviously going to want to put him in, in a position where he's going to excel. But do you really want to bump Chandler Stevenson? You don't want to break up the William Carlson line. So where do you put Jack Eichel? It's a great problem to have. I'm going to be honest. I think I might break up that misfit line and move William Carlson down to the third line and put him out there with Matthias Yanmark and Nick Waugh and you just have them shut down the team's top line every single night. But I I, I don't know, Brian, but it's a, it's an interesting problem to have, and it's a great problem for Pete DeBoer to have. I was going to say, Pete DeBoer is the, is the maestro, and well, I think he's got the perfect coach in place with the Vegas Golden Knights in DeBoer, because DeBoer, the one thing about him, he has no problem mixing up lineups and shifting things until he feels he's got the right combination. I love that guy. And if you haven't seen a Golden Knights game this year or in the past, uh, the one coming up Tuesday night is Chris Metchie against Toronto. A game to see. Um, they have played well. You know, it, it has been a, a battle of the series, but one of the most exciting and prolific hockey players in the game today in Austin, Austin Matthews coming to town. And if you didn't see it last night, two goals in 33 seconds all in the same shift. Austin Matthews is truly a freak. And you get to see him coming to Team Oberlin on Tuesday night, so check that out. Not going to spend much time on UNLV basketball. Uh, COVID protocol has suspended a few games. They haven't played since January 1. As of right now, uh, they'll be playing this week um, against um, who's coming into town this week. I think New Mexico comes into town on Tuesday night, and then, or excuse, uh, um, and then Fresno comes into town on Friday. 
we're going to get a, a good gauge on where UNLV basketball is, give Kevin Cooper a chance. I think this team, I don't think it'll be a right-away fix, but I still like what he is attempting to do, and I like his presence here. College football national championship day, guys, I'm not going to spend a lot of time here because if we don't talk about the Raiders, I'll get shot. But um, the, um, the bottom line is Monday night, it's the eighth national championship game since they have had the playoff system. Alabama and Clemson typically fixtures. Clemson not in this year. Alabama's won three of the seven championships thus far. They're in the national championship game again. I guess the biggest surprise to me is, you know, the fact that they are the underdog and a lot of people seem to really like, you know, the Georgia Bulldogs in this one. Georgia number one most of the season since Alabama lost, but Alabama handled them pretty good. And that's what kind of has me a little bit perplexed is Georgia allowed a season-high 536 total yards and 41 points in the Southeastern Conference title loss to Alabama. They've only allowed 17 or fewer points in each of the other 13 games this season. Um, the Georgia defense, I'm just going to say this and we'll move on, is going to have to pressure Bryce Young by rushing five or six players. Remember what I said that? If it doesn't happen, they have no chance, in my opinion. They need to make Bryce Young feel uncomfortable. In the Southeastern Conference Championship game, he seemed comfortable and relaxed, and he picked them apart. I don't know why everyone seems to like Georgia, which leaves me a little bit concerned, but Nick Saban, man, the seven national titles under his belt, and don't be surprised if he gets another one. The GOAT when it comes to college football, pretty incredible. I personally think Alabama's going to win, but I wouldn't bet the game. That's just my, my opinion on it. Real quick, Spencer, go ahead and hit back this. Facts this. If you don't like the facts, take your ass back to bed. Fact this. It's a fact. With a win tonight at Allegiant Stadium, the Las Vegas Raiders will be 10-7 and and headed to the playoffs. This will be as good of an accomplishment by any team this season, excuse me, considering what this team has endured. John Gruden... We all know about that way earlier in the season. Gets fired. Uh, we find out some horrible things that, that really kind of set this community on its head. Then the Henry Ruggs incident. Tragic and yet as aggravating as anything you could possibly experience in a football season. To have a guy with this kind of talent, with this kind of an ability, feeling above the law, we're not going to get into any of that. We're just going to leave it as a tragedy. Henry Ruggs gone. Of course, you know, it goes beyond that. Damon Arnett, another top-round draft pick a couple of years ago, and what ends up happening to him? Same type of thing, problems, although I just heard he got picked up and he's put on the Miami Dolphins practice squad, but you lose him. And then, of course, uh, you know, uh, you have to mention the inspiration right now by the ghost of John Madden. I mean, last week they get this win, and uh, today's, today's a gigantic match. What a, what a nice way for them to go this year. What a great tribute if they could find a way to win this game tonight and make the playoffs in the same you know, within, within a couple of weeks of John Madden's passing. Um, guys, the opinion on this game tonight, the experts seem to feel that the San Diego Chargers, San Diego, there I go again. How about the Los Angeles Chargers are coming to town, and they, uh, the experts feel they're going to be the ones winning this game. And the funny thing, even if they won it, there's still a real outside shot. The Raiders could make it even with a loss. I wouldn't tell them that. I think uh, today you control your own destiny. Uh, Spencer, being the monster Raiders fan that you are, Give me your take on today's game and what it's going to take for the Raiders to win this football game tonight. 
Well, it, it still feels like a miracle that they beat the Colts. And, I mean, that's just been an indication of what the season has really been like. You know, you take some horrible losses to the Giants, to the Bears. You know, both of those games were surrounded with the controversies, you know, throughout the season. But, again, Rich has to get a, a ton of credit. I mean, the guys came together. I talked about last week how Derek Carr has to control the turnovers. Two interceptions again last week. I know he's kind of like the glue guy for the team. He's obviously a, just a genuinely very good person in real life. No one could ever doubt that. But the football play has to be better than it has been before. You know, the defense has bailed him out way too many times this season, which is good because this is the best Raiders defense we've seen in 18 years, almost 20 years now. Uh, so that's always a great thing. So, you know, they're continuing to do their thing. The control teams, not big on the turnovers, you know, not a lot of interceptions or fumbles. Uh, but they do get stops. And, you know, at the end of the day, football is about stops, which is a great thing. So, you know, this is the biggest, you know, game of Derek Carr's career. You know, when they, when they went to the playoffs, he was having an MVP season. You know, he got hurt really badly. wasn't able to play in the playoffs, of course. Um, but this is it. You know, he can take this franchise to the playoffs. You're at home, so there's really no excuses. You know, they just can't get behind early because they really don't have the firepower. We've had some great things no, happen no. the past couple – Yep, go ahead. No, 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 no. I, I was, I was just gonna. I agree with you 100. percent They don't have the firepower. One of the things they're gonna have to do, which they had some trouble the first time around, is they are gonna have to contain Austin Eckles and really put the pressure on Herbert to beat him on the road. He's still a young quarterback. Is it a possibility? And you know, you mentioned Rich Bisaccia. I think that's a big question mark in everyone's head. Unless the Raiders make a run, like win today and maybe win a playoff game, that I think would start voting well for Versace. Six and five since taking over for John Gruden. Uh, the rumors, we've, we've been hearing Eric, but it's the enemy's name the entire season. Now recently, we're starting to hear Jim Harbaugh's name thrown into the rink as a potential replacement this year. But it sounds to me, Spencer, that they want Versace out, that they don't want him to be the head coach of the Raiders. And when I say they, it's obviously upper management because we just don't see... No one's saying, hey, Versace's going to get the job if he does this, if he does this. It really seems like who is going to be the next Raiders head coach seems to be the subject matter as opposed to what can Rich Versace do to keep the job. Which I think speaks volumes about Rich's character. Imagine you were taking over a job and you did a pretty decent job and you weren't even in the list of names for people who are going to, you know, stay in that position. You know, the, the, he's just a genuinely good person. I, you know, I'm, I'm an obsessive Raiders fan, so I listen to all their press conferences and just the way that he conducts himself. It's like it, it, he knows it, but it, does, it doesn't even matter to him because he's only focused on this season, which is really what you want your head coach to do. Um, he's kind of grown on me a little bit. Uh, but, yeah, I think, you know, that it's Vegas. You know, it, you know, Mark Davis loves the big names. That's why he bought – he brought, you know, John Gruden back in the first place. And Harbaugh would be another one of those huge names that could come to Vegas. So I could see it happening. But, I mean, if they do make the playoffs, and hopefully they do, um, you know, and they maybe like an upset in the first round, which is 10 times more than they should have done ever, minus the controversy. Like, you know, John Gruden could have kept his job forever if they won a playoff game. You know, he has to at least be considered because he's an upstanding guy and someone who you'd honestly want to lead your franchise you just have to develop better you know a better offensive mind a better defensive mind because you know he's a special teams coach no i, I would agree with you well real quick guys we got about four minutes left to go in the show so i'm gonna ask both of you chris and spence um instead of going through the games and breaking down and what has to happen what has to happen our projections on who is going to make the playoffs 
and way it's going to go. And the NFC, guys, this is what I have after the dust settles and the final whistle blows tonight in the Raiders game. This is the two conferences, and I'll start with the NFC. Uh, the Green Bay Packers are locked into number one. I think when it's said and done, the Rams beat the 49ers today, and they end up with the number two seed. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers end up with three seed. Dallas Cowboys, even though they still have a way outside shot at the two seed with their win over the Eagles yesterday, still end up with the four seed. I think the Cardinals will get the fifth seed. The Eagles will end up sliding in the seventh spot, and believe it or not, I think the Saints will win today and get in with that seventh seed. Boy, I'd like to play either the Saints or the Eagles in the first round. I don't think either one of those teams have a player. Um, and so that is going to be, be well, I don't care if the, if the Eagles have the best running game in the National Football League. We learned something vital yesterday that without Jalen Hurts under center, Gardner Minshew is garbage. Like, oh, my God. He only had one interception. It should have been two more. I, oof, they better pray Jalen Hurts is fine healthy and, and be able to play for them next week because uh, they're going to need the ground attack every drop of it to try to stay in the game with the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who I think will whitewash them. But that's my pick for the, the NFC. AFC guys, I think the Titans win today in Houston and get the number one seed, which is mind-blowing to me that they've done the majority of this without Derrick Henry, the league's best running back, although he's out today. Regardless, he'll be back next week or the week after if Tennessee does get the bye, which I think they should. And it makes them dangerous. I just don't know why. I don't fear the Tennessee Titans, although I will tell you that um, I am so incredibly impressed with Tennessee's coach and, uh, and, and what, what Mike Brabel has done, 40 and 24 in four seasons, and this guy is turning into one of the better young coaches in the National Football League. He's tremendous after a great career with the Patriots as a linebacker. He's doing a great job as a, as a coach. I don't think the Tennessee is going to run the table or even get to the Super Bowl, but, hey, the road looks like it's going to go through Tennessee – KC will get the second seed. The Bills will get the third seed. I think the Bengals will get the fourth seed by losing today to the Browns. It just doesn't mean enough to them, and I think they're going to lose that game. The Patriots will end up with the fifth seed. The Colts, I cannot see the Colts losing to Jacksonville because that would get the Lions in the picture for the number one draft pick, and that ain't going to happen. So the Colts will win that game and get into the playoffs, and then it comes down to the Raiders, Chargers. I am really torn on this game. As much as I want to be the homer and say the Raiders – could win this game. It's at home. It's for John Madden and everything else. You just cannot overlook Chris. Forty seconds. The San Diego, or excuse me, the Los the Los Angeles Chargers tonight. I think the Raiders are going to win, Brian. I'm I'm being honest. Look, they've defied, uh, I guess, fate for the entire season. I don't think that's going to change today. I'll make it quick. I think Hunter Renfro is going to have the winning catch in this game. He's going to score the winning touchdown. Raiders are going to win. I think it's going to be a close game, but I. I, I've given up throwing dirt on the grave of the Raiders because all season they have done this with their with their backs against the wall. I don't think that's going to change tonight. I just think they're they're going to find a way to win this game. They found ways to win the last few weeks. They're going to do it tonight as well. Spencer, five seconds. Raiders or Chargers? Who wins? Raiders. I get the game ball to Zay Jones. I'm going to say the Raiders are going to win, too, even though I'm a little bit more skeptical than the two of you. Listen to out of line. I want to thank Chris Magnus Chapman back in the studio for producing today's show and being a big contributor. Of course, as always, Spencer the Wiz Ostrowski, our social media director. I'm Brian Feldman. We do this every Sunday here on Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM, flagship of the Vegas Gold Knights. And we'll see you same time, same place next Sunday. Bye-bye.